no time like the present. And presently, a few days ago, I did something very special. I think I told you about it last week. If you were here, if you weren't, then you'll be caught up to speed soon. Last Saturday, me and wife, me and the wife, Jasmine, we went to the theaters to see Jaws and IMAX for some anniversary. I don't think it's 40 years. It came out in 75 and it's 2022. So I'm not sure what the anniversary is, but it it was never an IMAX. And to our surprise, it was kind of packed, you know, and strangely enough, just in our roles, we like to sit. So me, I'm more of a up at the top, close to the end of the rows kind of guy so I can get in and get out in case anything happens, right? Jasmine likes to be in the middle of the row so she can get a whole picture of the whole thing, right? But we couldn't really do that because this one was pretty packed. We bought our tickets beforehand. We'd like to do that so you don't have to worry about it. Just walk in, scan your barcode, and you can head on over to the theater. So we get there, and it's like the last three rows that we're on close to the top of the theater are full. Our last, like, four, four or five. And then the rest is empty all the way down. So it was weird, but it was a wonderful experience. Um, I had never seen this movie. I was waiting on that movie because I knew something was going to happen, and it came out. It said September 2nd. You're going to be able to see it in theaters um, in IMAX for the first time ever. And I did that. And watching those movies in theaters, like last year I watched Citizen Kane in theaters. Last year I watched The Godfather. It might have been this year or last year. I watched The Godfather in theaters. These are movies that, you know, when they came out, especially Citizen Kane, it was almost 100 years ago. And the fact that I was able to see it, and there was only a few people in there. It was not a lot of people. The Godfather's different. You can watch that. They have Blu-rays. You know, they have DVDs of all this stuff. I personally think it is something special about seeing it, how you had to see it back then because there was no such way to see it. And that's very special to me. And with Jaws, it was no no less the same. I didn't. I don't really understand what this podcast is supposed to be about from a week-to-week basis. It's called Who's This Podcast where I did that so it could op- open itself up to whatever I wanted to talk about in that moment. Um, and I find myself some week having not much to talk about. Um, I do want to talk about Jaws, but I also want to get to a bigger conversation about the movies that are happening right now, because there is stuff to talk about. Venice is happening right now, the Venice International Film Festival. A lot of movies are premiering and getting reviewed by critics. Some are getting panned. Some are getting praised. One in particular I'm very interested in, named Bardo, by uh, Gonzalez Inaritu, or um, Alejandro Inaritu, Alejandro Gonzalez Inaritu, I think that's his name. Um, he made Birdman in 2014. He made The Revenant, you know, beautiful in 2010. He made, um, so he's, he's, he's well-renowned and I feel like I'm missing one and I don't want to mess it up. I do this every time I could have his name already there, but I don't, uh, Babel 2006, beautiful. Birdman, The Revenant, yeah. Um, so his movie's getting panned. People saying it's self-indulgent, things like that. You have Tar by Ty Field, who hasn't made a movie in a long time, with Kate Blanchett. That's getting a lot of praise. Uh, Women Talking, the new Sarah Polly movie, is getting a lot of praise. TIFF, I think today is starting. The Toronto International Film Festival. I think this kicking off today, and Telluride, Inter- uh, Telluride Film Festival has already been happening for a few days, so 
we're right in the throw of the um of the fall film festival circuit so i could talk about all the reviews we could go through all the movies but i don't want to because what i'm realizing more and more is i'll go see a lot of these movies i'll like it and then i'll leave and never and in a few weeks i'll become jaded with it or be like eh, it wasn't as long lasting as i thought uh Long gone are the days of 2019 when on Christmas of 2019, me and my then girlfriend Jasmine went and saw Uncut Gems and Little Women on the same day. And I saw Uncut Gems twice. I think we saw both of those twice, but Uncut Gems for sure. That was the one that stuck. A movie that I've constantly thought about over the past few years since. The movie never left me. Same movie that year, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, or same year rather. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and also that year, Parasite. <laughs> you know, it, it was a, an embarrassment of riches right before the pandemic, and then it, ever since then, it hasn't felt the same. We've gotten really good movies. I love Licorice Pizza. I really like Worst Person in the World. Mank, I really loved. You know, we've had movies since early 2020 to now that have been good, some even great, but nothing that really has, like, stayed with me. It made me question the form. It made me want to um think about this form of how it's moving forward and then i go see jaws with all of that context and looking for something special and a movie 40 something years old has more life and vibrancy than anything i'm seeing today and it made me very like apprehensive to watch anything new because i'm like man you know it had to have been easier back then because a lot of stuff was unknown like the art form known as cinema has been around for over a little bit over a hundred years now. It feels like they've exhausted everything. Like you've done all you can. So now you're just going to redo stuff, but I don't know. I don't feel like that's the case. And I don't mean changing things or um, like in how it's watched and stuff like that. That's not moving the medium forward to me. That's just making it more accessible or easier to watch. I mean like the medium itself, the stories being told, not necessarily whose story, because I don't care about that. I don't care about, like, oh, we need more women or we need more gay people, we need more black people. I don't care about that. I mean, like, how is it being told? In what way? What's is, is there anything inventive here? Are we moving the medium forward? I feel like very little stuff is. And then you watch Jaws and all of these, you know, I, <laughs> I've had a bit of a reappraisal of Spielberg myself. Because I watched E.T. in theaters, I told you about that, in IMAX, and that was special for different reasons. I was never interested in E.T., but watching it, I see the I see the artistry on hand. I see how great Spielberg is at conducting and holding these images and conforming these images and making them. And it's at another level on Jaws. It's crazy, the amount of shots. All of these long takes and these shots that start as a as a close-up and go to a two and then a wide back down to a three man and then back down to a close-up again like the camera work is inventive even today because i never see any of it if i saw that stuff every day it might not feel as important but nobody's doing it and i know most of the filmmakers have seen jaws but every movie i watch i don't feel any of that sense and then the story itself how it's moving it moves so effortlessly the editing is great and it, and, and the tonal aspects are great and the characters are fun but you also but they feel real and lived in like hooper quint and brody they all are distinct and they have their own way of doing things and talking 
and they feel like real people. And then even the shark that doesn't look good by today's standards, it looks better than most CGI today because it was actually a real shark. Not real in terms of it's an actual, you know, living and breathing shark, but it was a real piece of something that they built and made. And so, yeah, it looks clunky at times, but that makes it feel weighty. It feels heavier. You know, it doesn't feel like a glossy CGI thing that you know isn't there or a backdrop on a blue screen or a green screen, rather, that you know is like made up stuff. And maybe Avatar 2 will give me some of that because every time that trailer comes on, it looks beautiful. And I see movies often that I like. I saw two movies last week that I like. But nothing is really doing it like this. And it kind of was like, man, what am I doing? Am I going to spend this whole thing reviewing new movies? I don't mind it. I think that's fine. I think that's fun. But Jaws, man, like, and I'm not going to talk about it here for 45 minutes because I can't. I'm not that kind of person. I'm not um, eloquent enough, not a good enough of an order to sit here for 45 minutes and break down a movie. There are people who do that for a living. I'm doing this to talk about the movies I like and sometimes the ones I don't. Um, as concise as I can because I do consider myself more of a writer than a speaker but with Jaws it kind of unlocked something in me that I wanted to do on this podcast because I didn't know where it was going for a little while there so it's movie reviews and then I throw in something about wrestling or something about video games or something about you know anything else that's happening I want to talk about and it is who's this podcast for and maybe this should be off uh, the mic, but I feel like, you know, whatever. I can talk about this stuff here. It's fine. Um, but I think Jaws kind of, seeing that movie in theaters, um, how locked in I was that I haven't been locked in like that in a long time. And, and I'm sure it has something to do with this reputation. You know, you hear it's one of the best movies ever for a long time, and it's like I didn't know anything about it going in. I knew a lot about it. But I had just never seen it all the way. And then seeing it like that. But also, I would have noticed that stuff at home. That's the good thing about an inventive movie like that. You know, they say it made the summer blockbuster. I think it's way more than a blockbuster. But also, that gets us to a conversation about blockbusters today and how they have nowhere near the amount of artistry and magistry that that movie and those movies back then used to have. Movies would be in a healthier place if the blockbusters were made like that with so much precision and, you know, with such a great director at the helm um, and great camera work and the visuals and everything, the the movie industry will be healthier instead of dying off as it seems to be based on their money problems and financial struggles. Um, you know, I really loved Dune last year. I really loved Dune. Jaws not touching it. I mean, Dune's not touching Jaws in any way. Maybe Dune Part 2 is the one that'll get there. But And I thought Dune was a better example of a blockbuster that did it right with the visuals just the story is so blah how they wrote it and all of the backstory like there's a way to tell that without telling it like that and jaws is a prime example of that even though it's not the same movie i will concur that's closer than close encounters which i haven't seen but i want to as well or nope which i thought was really good and looked like a spielberg movie we talked about that it reminded a lot of people of jaws and now watching jaws i can see why even though the Close Encounters might make more sense now, but, you know, Nope was a movie I, you know, really loved. Um, And I thought it was kind of inventive, at least for the moment. Like, 
I don't think you can invent anything in a medium that's been around for 110, 20 years, right? But I do think you can add on to things and make them new again or make them completely different based on the little things, the little wrinkles you add to it. I guess that's what I mean by inventive because I'm not asking anybody to invent a camera. It's 2022. But so with all the movies out there in existence, I'm sure everything has been thought of. But maybe to a new audience, it'll take on a life of its own. You add a new context to it or a new coat of paint. So I would just ask directors and filmmakers in general and artists to try. Try to be inventive. Try to be different. Try to be bold. And if it doesn't always work out, that's fine. You'll stand out because I'm telling you, 99% of the stuff that's coming out today in all of art is mediocre at best. You know? And Jaws, I got to thank Jaws because... 40 something years later man it it's as vibrant as it had to be back then and i'm sure that's why audiences went crazy for it and i can imagine when it came out the first weekend i probably would have saw that thing two or three times but so that's what um with all that being said um i do think this this pod is going to shift to now just it's it's always been this but i think i've been lying to myself i'm going to talk about what i want to movies that i know not just movies that I've just seen, but movies that I've seen many times or in the past. Movies that I love for the most part. I'm not actively going to come on here and be negative and talk about bad stuff. I don't want to do that. Uh, I want to talk about the great things and the things I love. And um, If I had to pick one special thing in Jaws, it's the camera work for sure. It's the, it's the refocusing and the re-racking and the reframing right on the spot in the in the cut not cutting but in the tape so it's one particular uh, scene when brody is had his car and the mayor finally confronts him with like all the police or whatever and they're going out to sea on the little ferry transit and it starts off with like a four shot but there's guys in the background too so so it's kind of a deep focus or shallow you know kind of a deep shallow focus and then one guy steps out and it comes to a medium shot with three guys and one guy steps out then it gets into a two shot and then it gets really close and it becomes like a, you know, by the end, the camera has moved like four times without cutting. It's one take. The camera work was amazing. It was absolutely stunning. And it was all throughout the movie. He was going crazy right there. And that's what I took from it, man. Jaws, you know, I'm sure all of you seen it. You know, I'm not going to tell anybody to go watch it. If you, you know, if you haven't by now, it's, think that's a choice right at this point but uh yeah if you don't think you'd like it try it i'm i'm almost certain you will and i guess i'll talk about the other thing that i've been watching this is on hbo max it's a documentary about orson wells it's called the eyes of orson wells came out in 2018 by filmmaker mark cousins now i haven't finished this i got about 40 minutes left i think um I really turned it on to see just images of his different movies, which I figured it was because it's called The Eyes of Orson Welles. Um, a lot more talk about him as a person, though, which I didn't expect. And a lot more talk about his politics. And I really didn't expect that. I really wasn't looking for that, which is why I haven't finished it yet. I will finish it just because every few minutes after the political talk, you'll get clips of his movies and how they play into his life and why he did it. And And the guy that's making it is, you know, look... No disrespect to him, but you can tell this was just trying to... Look, 
I, I do think Orson was just political, and I do think he had his own political upbringing based on who his mother was, and they talked about that in Doc and everything. I just came to see his flicks. I don't really care about the political or personal opinions of these filmmakers and these directors. I only care about your movie. Now, if your movie is political and you're putting all of your personal stuff in there, which you know makes sense because we put ourselves into our art when you create art. I just think it can be done in an interesting way, and Orson did that because I've in the few movies I've seen, I didn't notice any of his, any of this strong left leaning liberal stuff that this guy Mark Cousins is talking about. And you know, more power to him. He feels how he feels about certain things. I just don't. I'm not trying to hear about Trump when we talk about Orson Welles. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying? I want to hear about Citizen Kane, Lady from Shanghai, um, Other Side of the Wind, his last movie, which I saw uh, last year at some point. It's on Netflix. Um, and all the other stuff, F for Fake and, you know, Magnificent Ambersons and Touch of Evil and The Trial and Mr. Arcaden and Othello. And I want to see his, I'm talking about his movies. And they do it, just not enough for my taste, um, which is why it's taken me a while to finish it. But I think at the point I'm in the doc, they're kind of past all of that stuff and they're getting into the, you know, into like his love life and stuff so you know very interesting i do care to hear about orson Welles. he's one of my most fascinating directors that i haven't finished all of his uh filmography but i've seen a few later from shanghai citizen king other side of the wind really want to see touch of evil that's probably my most anticipated from him the trial of most anticipated uh, mr arcaden is growing on that list i got the magnificent ambersons on criterion so i've got to see that so you know i'm i'm interested in him as a person and a filmmaker and I I think he was a humanist, and that's fine, you know, whatever. But it, I clearly see that this Mark Cousins dude took this opportunity to just put a lot of his thoughts into words. I'm not saying he's not genuine, but come on, man. A lot of this stuff is silly. But um, it's called, uh, let me make sure I got the title right, The Eyes of Orson Welles. It's on HBO Max. Go check it out for yourself. I do think it's it's – I think it's interesting enough for his filmmaking life to see Orson Welles because he was a maverick and he was inventive like we were talking about earlier. And I do appreciate him and his work. Citizen Kane is considered the best movie of all time by a lot of people, a lot of circles, but you know, all the rest of that stuff, yeah, it, you know, it feels propagated to me, but Hey, you know, he, he would know more than I, he's researched the guy, but you know, I got a lot of respect for Orson Welles. And so, you know, Take that how you will. But uh, when I finish that, I guess I'll do a quick follow-up on it. But, you know, I, I think you pretty much got the gist. All right, we're back. Um, So I told you about Jaws, the eyes of Orson Welles. Uh, now I want to go to Letterboxd because I'm not going to, you know, uh, I'm not going to talk about Tiff quite yet. I'm not going to talk about Venice uh, or Telluride. New York Film Festival hasn't happened yet. It's coming, though. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get in all of that when those movies drop. And then we'll talk about the movies then. You know, but right now it's just critics giving their reviews on movies that the general public mostly hasn't seen. And the dirt, and the Don't Worry Darling stuff is hilarious. Uh, that's a movie coming out soon as well. And we'll talk about that when that movie comes out because that's been hilarious to see from a distance. But today I just wanted to talk about my some of my favorite movies. 
in the background i have a tv and it goes to a screen saving mode and it just transitions through a bunch of them and it's quite beautiful because i don't like to have anything on the background it's going to distract me when i started this pod i was thinking about putting on eight and a half because i started a rewatch of it a while ago and i just play little bits of it because that's a movie i can just fall in and out of um it's, it's so dreamlike and so airy you can just put it on and then i'll just turn it off and go do something or whatever but it's not the way you should watch it personally but since i've already seen it you know speaking of eight and a half i just i put on my letterbox i got my my top four we did this on the first episode i think um it's still the same no country for old man 12 angry man alien and eight and a half and i just want to give one special thing about each and then maybe go through a list of movies that i've seen and then just you know i just want to pick movies and talk about you know nice things about them or special things about them or what made me love them in the first place uh start with eight and a half since we're just talking about it one special thing about this movie is um the experimental the experimentation of it uh to that point in fellini's career he was very uh realist with his movies and they had a grounded feel on the streets and la dolce vita the movie that came out right before eight and a half was a bit different and that it started to take on a bit more um you know art he started to try a bit more artistically in terms of like being experimental but eight and a half is completely dreamscape and different and um surreal and that's the that being the first movie i've seen of his that's i fear that i'll go back and i like the rest of his stuff but that's like that's what i take the most from that movie i, I was like wow i don't know you can make a movie like this uh when i first watched it it really took me for a trip and i was so interested in it um but yeah um so so that's one special thing about eight and a half how surreal it is how uh, artistically bold it is because I have to feel like for that time, even though surreal movies have been around, but f- you know, watching that now in my lens, when twenty in that was in twenty twenty, I think, or twenty twenty one, early twenty twenty one, when I watched it, and like I said, I had not seen anything like it. It completely changed my view of movies and what they could be. And for a while, there, all I wanted to make was like surrealist things that you didn't have to explain, but. Then I watched it again, and I was like, oh, no, there's a lot of explanation. It's just through the craft. So it's it's not doing it just to do it. It's not a gimmick. You did it purposefully with intent, and that's what you should remember in your art. It's to always be intent, intent. Always have intent, rather. Don't do things just to do things because they're different. Have a reason for the difference, but try to be different, you know, if that makes sense. So eight and a half is it's just it, it's a giant movie to me in, in terms of shaping my my cinema experience another one is alien by ridley scott 1979 there's one thing about alien that's special it's the atmosphere that ship the nostromo the smoke the haze the alien everything that's how you build tension through atmosphere that's how you make atmosphere as important as the story because it becomes the story and we all know alien alien is alien is a perfect movie um you know and atmosphere is a big part of that you feel like you're on that ship you feel like there's no way out and they never have to say it through dialogue the opening shot i believe is just them walking through 
them walking or like we're well, not walking through but like showing the ship in different um shots and different master shots too showing the ship and you just get a sense for it. it looks so real because i'm sure it was a real you know built thing and you know there was no cgi in 1979 you had to build that set and it feels like it and it just feels lived in so and and the dripping water and the chains and the one scene when the guy gets taken up and you look up and the water's dripping with on the chains and a cat is looking atmospheric just setting the pace setting the stage for what's coming next um with no words or music or anything just pure sound and the set design that's atmosphere and that's why alien is different and it's tried to it's been mocked plenty of times or tried to be replicated but it can't be that thing was a one of its own just like 12 angry man by Sidney lament another movie that's inventive um one special thing about this movie is the use of lenses. I had always never understood or didn't, wasn't really interested in lenses until I realized their importance um, and just how useful they can be, especially if you use them again in an inventive way. And I guess that's the word of the day for this pod is inventive because, um, you know, Sidney Lumet talks about how when it starts, I think he used a wide angle lens. He wanted to capture the whole room right because they didn't have i think they had a ceiling on this set and he went to get all 12 of the men in the room and it was fine and you know as the day goes so as the movie goes he changes lenses so instead of a wide angle you get a little bit smaller a little bit more claustrophobic as the movie goes and the lighting changes as well it starts off with no shadows as the movie goes along, you get harsher shadows. So by the end, you have these, I don't think it was telephoto lenses, but as close to telephoto as you can get to where everything is compressed and collapsed and these men feel like they're right on top of each other. And the lighting is harsher to where these dark shadows on their faces start to show as they're sweating and the room is hot and the day is long. That's using lenses and lighting to your advantage to tell a story. Without having to tell the story, we see that these men are going through a harrowing journey because this the their bodies and their faces are getting slightly more compressed and tightened and um it gets more claustrophobic as the movie goes on to by the end it's completely you know we're all in close-ups because the stakes have risen it's time to make a decision on this boy's life and they've been there fighting all day and you see that journey through the lenses through the lighting with the harsh shadows by the end, making it almost feel very noirish. This was 1957, I believe. So that's one special thing in amongst a lot of special things about that movie. But that's one, using your lenses and lighting to tell a story. I took so much from that movie, and that's why I take so much every time I see it, and new things too. And it's only 97 minutes, but to pack that much emphasis and, you know, um, filmmaking in a 97-minute movie is extraordinary. That's why... Sydney's one of the best. And the last movie is No Country for Old Men. You guys know how I feel about this. Uh, a modern masterpiece. One of the few best movies of the 21st century. And if there's one special thing that I must glean from um, this movie, what would it be? Um, we already said atmosphere. We said lenses. We said camera work. 
um, I guess this one would be writing. I watched this movie and I'm like, man, um, less is more. And I've read the script. I want to annotate a screenplay. This I don't think there is one out there anywhere, but uh, less is more is what I learned from this movie. Saying a lot with a little. In your writing, I personally try not to be heavy-handed. I try to get the point across with saying as few words as possible because few words travel a long way. So then when you finally need a monologue or you need a long speech, it means more if everybody's not talking as much. Um, and that's what they do in no countries. Very few words. Um, everything's very subtle. Nothing's on the nose. And nothing's giving anything too much away until the end when you start to get little tidbits of what all of this means. But even then, it's it's covert. So you have to figure it out through yourself through the context of the movie. Dialogue is very important. The Coens are very great at it. And it's somewhere I struggle. Personally, I think I struggle. And so I try to watch movies with great dialogue or by writer-directors who make great dialogue, like a Goldman or... Uh, Dostoevsky or a um Aaron Sorkin or the Coens or Tarantino or Paul Thomas Anderson to uh Spike Lee has really good dialogue and just kind of taking their you know seeing how they relay messages through as few words as possible I think the Safdie brothers do a great job of very realistic dialogue for a movie it's not meant to be completely realistic but realistic enough and No Country for Old Men has great dialogue and by way, it uses it very little, and I think that's a, I think that's a real staple. I think that's a real, um, I think that's the way to go. You can have talky characters, you can have talky scenes, you got talky movies. Like um, another movie I want to see is My Dinner with Andre, which is all talking. It's just two guys sitting at a table talking, and I can't wait to see how they implement it, then how they use that without making it, you know, a farce because. Talking is the least cinematic thing you can do. Uh, so how'd you make a whole movie on that that is regarded as one of the best? I guess I got to see for myself. But yeah, so, so that's what I would take away from No Country for Old Men. The one special thing is the dialogue. And you put in parentheses or lack thereof because <clears throat> there is very little dialogue in that movie. And I think that works really well. So when there actually is some, you get a grasp on how to write effectively not say too much but lead your audience where you want them to go and that one great scene is when Anton Shagir walks into the uh, store with the cash clerk and they go back and forth a little bit and it's very subtle and it's, it's not heavy handed at all and there's very little dialogue but the dialogue there works and it leaves so much for the imagination but you're never lost and you always understand what's happening it's an absolute marvel and um, all of those movies are inventive. And uh, that's what I'm seeking out these days, personally. All right, we're back. Um, <clears throat> Before we wrap this up, the NFL season is starting tomorrow. Yes, we are here. We have made it. Week one is tomorrow, Thursday Night Football, Bills and Rams. The line right now, I thought Google would have it for me. Um, I'm not picking the line. I don't. I don't even gamble. I don't care. I watch too much The Ringer and Bill Simmons. It's, it's getting in my head. But say so we got the Bills and Rams tomorrow. Then Sunday we have the Eagles and the Lions. We have the 49ers and the Bears. We have the Steelers and the Bengals, Patriots and the Dolphins, the Browns and the Panthers. 
the Colts and the Texans, Saints and the Falcons, Ravens and the Jets, Jaguars and the Commanders, my Packers versus Vikings at 425 p.m., Giants and the Titans, Raiders and the Chargers, Chiefs and the Cardinals, Buccaneers and the Cowboys, Sunday night. That's a big one. And then Monday, September 12th, we have Broncos and the Seahawks. Okay, I'm going to pick every winner. We're going to do this every Wednesday because that's right before Thursday. And then next Wednesday, we'll get back to you. Uh, and we'll do it again for the next week. So week one, Bills and the Rams. I'm taking the Bills personally. Wait, where is this game being played? This is at Rams. Okay, that changes everything. This is the reigning defending Super Bowl champion, the Rams. I think I might be underestimating them. And I didn't – sorry for hitting the mic. I didn't know it was at home um, for the Rams. So that kind of changes things. I think I might – I'm picking the Bills. Forget it. I think Josh Allen and company is ready to try to win a Super Bowl. I don't know if they will because I don't think they can beat Kansas City, and the AFC is crazy. But I think the Bills win this game on the road. Eagles and Lions, this will be the Eagles. If, this could be the upset of the week, though, because the Lions, everybody has them penciled in as the team last year. They went 3-3 three and three in their last six games last year. Um, they did really well to end the season, even though they were a perpetual loser. A lot of people think they could win somewhere between six and seven games this year. Might be a bit much. They are an upcoming team, but not yet. It'll be a few years. Um, and the Eagles are ready to win now. And this should be a statement win. I think the Eagles will blow out the Lions. Or I'm going to be dead wrong. But we're going to see. 49ers and the Bears. 49ers. I don't care who's starting the quarterback. It could be Trey Lance. It could be Jimmy Garoppolo. The Bears are awful. Justin Fields is good, but he has nobody to throw to or play with. That should be an easy dub. Steelers and Bengals, the Bengals will win this game. It might be close because, well, they got Mitch Trubisky, the Steelers, do as quarterback. The Bengals will win this game. It should be easy, but it might be close. Watch out for that one. Patriots and Dolphins, this is a good one. This is a really good one. The Patriots have not had a good offseason. The Dolphins have had a very interesting offseason. One of them is going to have headlines after this. If the Dolphins lose game one, There'll be headlines like, uh-oh, the Tyreek Hill trade didn't, is not going to work out, apparently. If the Patriots lose, the sky's falling. So, I'm ready to see that just for the headlines. Browns and Panthers. Now, this game would be great if Deshaun Watson was playing. Uh, justice for our boy is what it is. Uh, Baker Mayfield. Is this game in Cleveland? No, it's in uh, Carolina. Baker Mayfield against his former team. I think he's going to go off. I do think the Browns' defense and running game will win this game. So I like the Browns in this one. Colts and Texans. This is the Colts. Texans are awful. Move on. Uh, Saints and Falcons. The Saints should win this game. The Saints should win this game. Will they win this game? Drake London. Kyle Pitts over there. Who's throwing them the ball? Who's the quarterback for the Falcons? I got to look this up. I have to. And this game is pretty much non-important, but I have to look this up. Um, The Saints have Jarvis Landry, Tyron Matthew, and Chris Olave. Some of the new players for them, they're stacked. They, they could be a real team this year. Who is the quarterback for the uh, Atlanta Hawks? Is it Ritter? I don't know. The Saints are going to win this game, though. But 
this one could be close. Ravens and Jets. Ravens should win this game going away. If they don't, they have bigger problems than Lamar Jackson's um, contract situation. So I don't think they will. They will win this game going away. Jaguars or Commanders, throw the whole game away. I guess one of them got to win. And I think I might pick the Jaguars because I'm a Trevor Lawrence fan from when he was at Clemson. So, um, but I'm not going to cut out the Commanders. Chase Young's back. He could get to the quarterback. You know, we'll see. But I think the Jaguars will take that one and start that rebuild after the last coach, Urban Meyer, is gone. Jaguar, I mean, Packers and Vikings, this is my team. Everybody thinks that the Vikings can make it tough for us this year in the NFC North, that they could potentially play spoiler and win this uh, division. Since we lost Devontae Adams, we don't have nobody to throw to, but we were great without Devontae Adams anytime he was out. Uh, we got Lazar, we got Tanya, we got the young boys, we got uh, Cobb, A.J. Dillon, uh, Jones in the backfield running it, you know, A.R., Maybe another MVP season coming. Four-time MVP. Could it be five-time. Or is he a three-time? Could it be four-time? I don't know. We win in this game. And whose house it is in? It's at Vikings Stadium. Or whatever that stadium called. We win in this game. Might be close. Might be closer than I'd like. Because they got a new coach over there and everything. We win in this game. Bet money. Um, if it's by a field goal, we're winning this game. And then we will be on journey to win the NFC North again. It's not like last year where we lost to the Saints first game, tragically. We're going to win this game, and we're going to look damn good doing it. Go Pack, go Cheeseheads. Let's go. Giants and Titans, the Titans should win this game. All you got to do is give it to Derrick Henry. He'll have 120 rushing yards, and that'll be it. Raiders and Chargers, this is a big game. This is an in-division game of maybe the most stacked division in football, the AFC West. And I like the Raiders. I'm not a fan of the Chargers. I don't believe in them. Justin Herbert's a stud, but when he makes to the playoffs, tell me, and I know they signed a lot of people in the defense, Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson and all of these boys. The Raiders got Devontae Adams. You know, they got um, old boy from the Cardinals. I can't think of his name, but he, but he was pretty solid. I think they win this game. Because remember, this was the last game last year to see if the Chargers got in, and they didn't. The Raiders got into the playoffs. And this is in Chargers, so it'll be a lot of Raiders fans there because Lo-Fi Stadium is not their stadium. Just like the Clippers, they both need to get a new one. Even though the Clippers have the Inglewood Stadium coming soon, so the Chargers need a new stadium. It's not their stadium. And there are more Raider fans in California than Chargers fans. The Raiders, it'll be a home game, or at least mixed, half and half. Chiefs and Cardinals, this one's easy, Chiefs. I don't believe in the Cardinals, especially without uh, DeAndre Hopkins for six games, first six games of the season. I don't believe in them. Uh, the Chiefs lost Tyreek Hill. You're going to see that it don't matter. And Patrick Mahomes is a wizard, and he'll get it done. So I like the Chiefs comfortably in that one. Buccaneers and Cowboys. Now, see, this is tough because I want both to lose because I hate Tom Brady and I hate uh, the Cowboys. And I know I went to the same school as Dak Prescott. I was there when Mississippi State was number one in the country. And he was the quarterback. And we were talked about in the national news and our first take on ESPN and everything. I was there. And we lost to Alabama. And that derailed our whole season. And then we lost to Ole Miss. 
and then we lost to Georgia Tech in a bowl game. So great end of the season for us. The Alabama game completely deflated us, and I was there, and Dak was the uh, quarterback. It was a fun time. It was my freshman year at Mississippi State, 2014. So I ain't got nothing against him, but I hate the Cowboys, and he played for them, so. Uh, but also he Tom Brady. He played for the Bucks. So I think the Bucks will win this game just like they won last year. I think it was week two or three. It'll be close because the Bucks aren't as good as they were and the Cowboys aren't either. Both teams have flaws. If the Cowboys can get to Tom and make it tough for him uh, in the pocket all night, they'll have a chance. But I don't believe in Dak. And if I got to pick between Dak and Tom, I would take Tom. So Buccaneers will win that one. And then the Monday night game, Broncos – at the Seahawks. Um, Russell Wilson goes back to Seattle. Will he get booed? I don't know. He won him a Super Bowl. Took him to another Super Bowl. Will he get booed? That's tough. Whatever happened, the Broncos should win. If the Broncos lose this game to the to the amalgamation of the quarterbacks that the Seahawks have, which is Drew Locke and... Um, What's that boy name? Geno Smith. And if you lose to them, whichever one starts, I don't even know. Come on, man. We got to start having a real conversation about Russ being a, a fraud, which I already think he might be. It might be a bit over the hill, but hey, whatever. He won a Super Bowl. You can't take that away from him. But the Broncos should win this game. I personally think this one will be closer than it should be. Maybe even the Seahawks could take this game with a hyped up crowd trying to get something back from Russ. And take a win from him in that crazy stadium up there in Seattle with all the Antifa members out there. <laughs> this one could be closer than you think. I actually think the Seahawks might upset. And uh, I'm not writing none of this down. So if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And we just won't know. Because I won't forget. I mean, because I'll forget. And I won't remember. And I'm not writing it down for that purpose. So you can't hold me to nothing. Because I'm going to be like, did I say that? I don't remember that. But, yeah, that's week one. I can't wait. Starts off tomorrow night. Bills and Rams at 820 uh, p.m. Man, I'm excited. Very excited. And uh, I think that'll do it for us. Uh, You know, next week, I don't know what we'll be talking about. Um, What's coming out to the movies this week? Let's check that real quick. I know we'll be talking about football next week because I'm excited for that. I don't know what's coming out this week, though. And I want to see that. So, let's go to amc.com. Let's go to Showtimes. Let's go to Saturday, September 10th. And so, Top Gun Maverick is still in theaters. Why? Don't know. Bullet Train, DC Legal, Super Pets, The Invitation. Spider-Man No Way Home, sadly, is back in theaters. Minions, Hot for Jesus Save Your Soul. I just might take Jasmine to see that because I think she wants to see that. So, But they only got one show on Saturday at 5.30. Why? Jaws is still there. I would love to see that again. Where the crowd has seen Gigi and Nate. I feel like she's going to see that. Orphan, First Kill. That's Nope, it's still in theaters. Marvel Studios, Thor, Ragnarok. They're still in theaters? Wait. They putting that back in theaters? Ain't that the one from uh, some years ago? No, th- that's the new one, I think. I don't know. I don't keep up with that stuff. 
Um, barbarian. Just like you, anxiety plus depression. I don't even know what that is. Disney and Pixar's Cars, five dollar favorites. That's interesting. Rogue One. I'd love to take her to that. No cap. I don't think she'll do it though. She don't. She don't watch Star Wars. She never watched Star Wars or Lord of the Rings. I get Lord of the Rings. Star Wars. Come on. I know it's much maligned now, but you know, back in the day, it was like. I mean, to be fair, I ain't seen the old ones. I'm talking about the prequels. I was a prequel baby. I was born in 96. I came up in the early 2000s. The prequels was my stuff. I got to go back and watch the old ones. That's my it's my blind spot. I just ain't seen none of them old movies. It is what it is. I, I ain't in a rush anyway. Anyway, that's all I got for y'all today. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, man, we'll be back next week. Who's this podcast for? Y'all know what it is. Talk about everything. That's what we do. Thank y'all for listening as always. It's been a pleasure. Peace out to all of you.